Remind you what she just said. We're doing these welcome kits, collecting items to where when somebody comes in uh, to the country and is moving into this completely empty apartment and they have nothing, they're coming in and it's not empty. And so they have the sheets, they have the, the utensils, they have what they need to do laundry, all those different things. And I believe we've completed a welcome kit. Zach, is that true or pretty close? Yeah, so we almost have one complete kit completely done. And, and that's been completed by only a handful of people, right? And so, hint, hint, um, we would love to get another kit and more kits done. And to be able to have, I mean, the number of people that are in our church, um, there's, you should have gotten a handout. If not, you can get it from Sarah and them at the table in the back uh, when you leave. But um, it gives you the different items that are there. There's an Amazon wish list. All you do is go in, purchase the things. The stuff gets um, delivered here or, or to Zach and Tina's house. And then uh, we get it all to World Relief. And so just, super low-hanging fruit, easy, tangible way to truly serve some people that are in need. Um, the other thing uh, is these uh, welcome teams that would just be uh, coming alongside a family that is getting acclimated into the city. So like li having one group of people that you're really able to pour into and encourage. And so if you have any questions about this, what that looks like, if you're interested, uh, when service is over, please see Sarah in the uh, lobby. Um, I assume Zach will be by her. Zach is, and Tina been kind of pinpoint, been the head people for this and pinpoint people for us in our church. Uh, if you're online, and like, I can't get down there to talk to her, I'm really interested, then please go scan the QR code, go into the question spot, or there should be a link there about getting involved in World Relief, and, you can, and Zach will follow up with you. And so this is, it has been really exciting to see the response, but we know that there's a lot more that could be done. And so please prayerfully consider how you could jump in with this as we just help come alongside these people with World Relief. So thank you so much again, Sarah, for being here. Uh, why don't you join me in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy. And so if you have a Bible and you want to turn there or click there for you, uh, we're going to be jumping into this really cool letter in the New Testament over the next few weeks. Uh, while you're turning there, next week is the Chicago Marathon. And so I'm letting you know that just as far as being strategic and how you get here. Uh, next Sunday, it is possible to get here, uh, so we'll, we'll have information that goes out in email, like giving suggested routes, but just be aware that that is happening. Uh, I know that for myself, uh, after having COVID in July and just struggling with that uh, for all of July and getting how, how difficult, if not near impossible, getting back into training was, um, the, doing the marathon is going to be, I, I just want to cross the finish line, so I just, uh, be that carried on stretcher, crawling, limping, whatever. There's no sense of goal or anything about time or breaking records, beating a Kenyan or anything like that. I just want to be alive across the finish line when it's over. Um, so doing the marathon, when the race happens, the beginning is all about the adrenaline. I really can't. Can you actually go to the previous slide? When, you, when you're in the middle of this crowd, this is all of these different people, 
uh, is really cool. And then the number of people that are along the sidewalks that are just cheering and screaming, uh, who are throwing things out, you're going through the city. It is really, really fun. It is a lot of fun just to be able to see the crowds, see the people cheering along. You're going through the streets. They're giving you free snacks along the way. It's really, really exciting. But then at a certain point, all the adrenaline runs off, wears off. And the strain of everything kicks in. Your muscles may start cramping. You start getting tired and really sick of Gatorade. A bit later, you hit the wall. You start questioning your existence and your sanity. Of ever having done this, you start swearing oaths to God that you're never going to do it again. But then the finish line comes into view. You are completely depleted, you are sore, probably limping a little bit, but there's still something exhilarating about crossing that finish line. In the New Testament, the letter of 2 Timothy is between two guys who were at different stages in the marathon of life. In the first two verses, they're side by side, so to speak, but in different stages of the journey. The first two verses say, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we meet these two guys, Timothy and Paul, and they're both on this marathon, if you will, of life. They're right next to each other, but they're definitely on their own routes and in different stages of the journey. Timothy is at the point of hitting the wall. The church is beginning to experience major persecution in Rome by Nero. He has experienced immense difficulties in ministry and on top of this. And then false teaching is on the rise. His ministry experience has been far from easy. Things are really, really hard. And he is hitting the wall. Paul is in the last leg of his journey. This is actually, in our, of all the letters that Paul wrote for our New Testament, this is his last letter. It was during his third missionary journey. He is traveling to spread the gospel, and he is arrested and in Rome waiting for execution. He knows he's about to die. In this letter, he acknowledges a few times that he is suffering, he, but you can also see, and you'll see as we go through it, he is reminiscing. He's reminiscing about the life that he's lived. He's taking time to speak into this young protege that he has, who even though they're at different stages on the journey, they're next to each other. And really, I, this is why I really love this Monet painting and why we're using this as artwork, is that this is how I see 2 Timothy. Two guys along the, on the path, Two guys on the journey. One's at the end of his journey. The other one's at a really difficult spot. Two people along the road. And I picture Paul just wanting to put his arm around Timothy and with the years of wisdom and experience and also his care for this young man to say to him, Timothy, keep going. Timothy, keep going. It is worth it because Jesus is worth it. And you got this because he has got you. Timothy, keep going. But I think Paul, as much as he's saying that to Timothy in this letter, I think he's also saying it to himself. Don't give up at the end. Finish well. 
Remember who you even in death, who the source of life is. Keep going. We all need to hear that. Not only do we need to hear that time to time, I think that right now in this season of where we're at, as we think about the last year and a half that we've had and COVID reality and all of the different changes and all the different tensions that our country has had and just what it's been like to live life now, we need to hear somebody say, you need to keep going. You need to keep going. Maybe you are in a season where your proverbial muscles are getting strained by life. The in and out of work and bills and relationships and figuring out the weekend or whatever you're doing or what's next. It's just you're tired. Maybe you are moving into a different season of life. It might not be toward the end like Paul, but maybe just moving into something new and there's all that entails and the challenges. Maybe you're in a season where you feel like you're hitting the wall. It's just been heavy. It's just been hard. It's been difficult, confusing. And you know what? Turning around would be a lot easier. Quitting would be a lot easier. Whichever place you are in, and I say this to myself as much as I say it to you, keep going. Keep going. We aren't meant to live in survival mode, simply coasting by, going through the motions. We need to be reminded that life is worth it because Jesus is worth it. We need to be reminded that we got this because Jesus has us. Keep going. This is our new series. This is what we're going to be looking at in the second, this letter of 2 Timothy this powerful word that Paul shared with his young friend. Before we jump into the first part, though, let's pray together. God, we thank you and praise you just for your love, for your presence, God. We thank you that knowing that you are with us, knowing that you are present, knowing that you care about us, God, that we have your strength, we have your wisdom, we have your care, your grace, and your mercy. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us true to keep going. You know the ins and outs of every single thing that we're carrying, we're experiencing, the things we're going through, the things we're trying to figure out, the things we're up against, the challenges, the hurts. You know all of it, God. So encourage us. Give us wisdom. We need you, God. We need to be aware of your presence as individuals and as a church. Help us to keep going. And so speak to us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to read the section that we're going to look at this morning. It's verses 3 through 7, and then we're going to get into the details of it. And so it says this, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control." 
As we get into this letter, gleaning from the wisdom and the encouragement that Paul shares with Timothy, how does it help us to keep going? Well, the first thing that he's pointing to with Timothy, as far as the idea of to keep going, he's telling Timothy, he's helping Timothy to take a grateful look back. To take a grateful look back. In this prayer section, we see Paul being retrospective, being reminiscing about Timothy. And it's not, this isn't just Paul looking at old photos, pulling out old yearbooks. You remember that one time, you know, like, this isn't that kind of a thing. Paul is looking back specifically with a spirit and attitude of thankfulness. This is a grateful reminiscing. And there's four things which Paul is grateful for as he looks back. How much he has prayed for Timothy. Timothy, somebody has constantly been praying for you. The special bond that they have. Being with Timothy, just the, their relationship, doing life together brought Paul joy. Timothy's genuine faith with the rise of false teachers and false ideas about Jesus on the rise. Timothy, Paul is saying, Timothy, I know you are somebody who genuinely has a faith in Jesus. You know when it began and you know how it's continuing. And then Timothy's faith heritage. Timothy, Paul knew that Timothy saw faith being modeled in his upbringing, in his home. Now, Paul's remembering these things. I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. But again, Paul's not just remembering this because he's reminiscing. He's remembering this because Timothy needs to remember this. He wants Timothy to realize, Timothy, you have seen the power of prayer. You have seen what God does. You are not alone in this. You had a moment when your faith began and your faith has made, been a part of your life and continues to be. You have had people pouring into you and believing in you. Timothy, this is all of you have experienced. Paul is helping Timothy obtain a wider perspective than only him being laser-focused on his trials and on his problems. Because what happens is, is we're in the middle of difficulties. We look at them like we're looking through a paper towel hol tube holder. You know, like the tubes, like my kids over Christmas, they'll take the wrapping paper and they'll fight with the, 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 the tubes and everything like that. Timothy is taking one of those. He's squinting his other eye and he's looking through it. And the only thing he can see is his problems. Only the trials, only the suffering, only the difficulty. And when that's all you can see, when that's all you're considering, it makes you want to give up. Of course you want to quit. Of course you want to throw in the towel because that's all there is. But what Paul is saying is that not that he wants Timothy to ignore the difficulties, not that he wants to minimize the difficulties, but he wants Timothy to have a wider perspective. He wants him to not just look at what he can see through that small focus tube. He wants him to remember that in the middle of these difficulties, you are somebody that has seen the power of prayer, who is not alone, who is, faith is part of who you are, and people have poured into you. Those things are as true in the middle of the difficulties as they were when the difficulties weren't going on. And so that reminds Timothy to be praying in the middle of them. 
It reminds Timothy to remember that he doesn't have to do this by himself. It reminds Timothy to, how do I go through this as a person following Jesus? And it reminds Timothy that he has people he can get help from and guidance from. We need that same perspective. We need to take a wide perspective on everything that we're going through. And so what do you see when you look back at your life? Who has, who has prayed for you? Who has walked with you? When did you trust Jesus? Who has poured into you? To take, you might not have a specific answer for all of those, but I bet you have it for a few of those. And to be grateful for that and to be reminded that God answers prayer, reminded you're not in this alone, reminded there are people who will walk with you and around you that you can lean on. We need to not have tunnel difficult, tunnel vision on our challenges. We need to take a grateful look back at what God has done and how he has used people in our lives to have that wider perspective to keep going. And so I challenge you, even just taking some time tonight or sometime this week and go through those four things. Not just let it be something you heard me say right now, but actually go through those things. Who has prayed for you? Who has walked with you? Been there with you? When did you trust Jesus? Who has poured into your life? And what do those remind you of? How does that bring, what truths do those things, realities bring into your current situation? And I can tell you that even sending a quick text or email or note to some of those people that come to mind and just thank them for how they've been for you would not only encourage them, but that's going to encourage you as well. Take a grateful look back. The second thing Paul is going to say is to keep going, Timothy, take responsibility for your faith. Take responsibility for your faith. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. Now, like I said, during the marathon next week, there are going to be people along the way providing water and Gatorade and bananas and all kinds of stuff for the runners. They are my heroes. Why do they do this? Because it doesn't matter how much a runner carbo loads the night before. It doesn't matter what they had for breakfast that morning. It doesn't matter how much water they drank throughout the week to get ready. They are each going to run out of the energy that they started with. They are going to become depleted. They have to keep refueling throughout the race or they're not going to finish it. I guarantee even the elite, the ones that zoom, zoom on by and you can't even see them, they're having to grab water and stuff along the way because they're not going to make it with just the energy you started with. And what Paul is telling Timothy here in verse 6 is that our faith is no different. You have to not just go with the energy you started with, you have to continually refuel along the way. And so Timothy gives, Paul gives Timothy this image of a bonfire, of a fire. Once a fire gets going, you have to keep feeding it or it'll go out. If you don't add more fuel, the fire fades. And so you add kindling, you add logs, you add a gallon of lighter fluid because that's really awesome. You keep putting things on the fire. You know, some of you, you know that you've done it. 
There, this is the image that Paul is giving Timothy regarding their relationship with God. We have to keep refueling. It says in the first verse, he acknowledges that life is in Jesus. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross and his victory, we have new life, healing for brokenness, forgiveness of sins. God is the one who lights the fire of our faith and makes the fire of our faith possible. But realize what Paul is saying in regard to the embers of your faith, the poker to kind of get them going is in your hand. It isn't in mine and it isn't in God's. The way the word is here, the responsibility is on Timothy. He has to fuel his faith. And that's true for you and I as well. Scholar Walter Leifeld says this, For the Christian, the motivation and power to do this comes from the Holy Spirit, but we must respond by making the right decisions and taking the right actions. Go back to the marathon imagery. God is the one during the race with the spiritual water, the spiritual Gatorade, bananas, energy. He is holding it out to us, everything that we need. He gives us the fuel. He even makes the fuel that we need for our faith possible but we have to take it and eat it. We have to take the responsibility to use that which God provides for us. And so are you feeding the fire of your faith? Are you refueling along the way? And the most basic, but the most vital of these realities, I mean, when you're running, there's really only three things out there, water, Gatorade, and bananas. There might be a couple other things, but the, that's just extra. The other, those are the three that you need. And the reality, the things that we need for our faith are pretty basic and pretty simple, but those are the things that we need, and they're the most powerful things. Time in the Word. If the only time you open up your Bible is when I ask you to for a sermon on Sunday, you, that is why your faith is struggling right now. It would literally be the equivalent of eating one meal a week. Yes, you would like that initially. It would have a slimming effect, everything like that but you are eventually going to die because no one can survive on one meal a week. You have to feed yourself regularly. Open the Bible. Read the Bible. Learn to read and understand the Bible. This is what our community groups are for, but even beyond that, help learning and how do I get into this? And so easy starting places. Read whatever Proverbs every day. Whatever the date is, read that chapter of Proverbs. Go through one of the Gospels slowly. You don't have to set, I, I, there's a lot of times believers will set the goal of I'm going to read through the Bible in a year or something like that. I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't think it's exceptionally helpful. I'd rather you read a smaller amount and absorb it well than a big amount and forget everything that you read. And so take the Gospels and just read a small section every day. What do I see Jesus doing in here? What is, what is it being one of his followers look like from this? What does this show me about God's heart for people in here? Start reading the Bible to fuel your faith. Prayer, needing to pray. A short, set time every day, even if it's only five or ten minutes, to be in the presence of God, just you and God to praise him for who he is, to thank him for all he's done, 
to confess, to ask him for help, to pray for others. We need to have that time. Again, think about, just like you can't sustain yourself physically with one meal a week, you cannot sustain your closest relationships on one interaction a week. We need to be able to pour time into one another. And so you need to pour time into that relationship with God. Have that set time that you talk, but also coming to him throughout the day. And in the moments that you're within, God, be with me here. God, give me wisdom. God, help me to do what's right. God, I'm so grateful that this happened. Having an attitude of continual prayer. Time in the word refuels us. Prayer refuels our faith. And community refuels our faith. There is nothing that will kill your faith quicker than removing yourself from the family of God. I've said this many, many times. You do, you, we make a decision, we each make a decision to begin our personal relationship with Jesus. But you do not have an exclusively personal relationship with Jesus. We are saved into a family, into a community. The Christian life is not a solo endeavor. It is something that is done with others. The idea of, I don't need the church, I'm just going to do me and Jesus at home, but at some point, I hope you get to the portions of the Bible that tells you that's crazy, because that's not how it's done. And that's what's made the last year and a half so challenging, is it has forced us to be apart, not to be apart, it has forced us to, be, to make it more difficult to be together. And so you've, maybe you've formed the habit of not being in community, or maybe it's just easier, I'm just going to watch online than go all the way down there. We, yes, there's still precautions we need to be care of. Yes, we still need to be careful, and all of those different things. But you need to make community and doing faith with one another a higher priority. We all need to do that. And so I challenge you, for some of you, that's next step of just, man, I'm going to refuel my faith. I'm going to rekindle these embers. Maybe it's, I'm going to be on there on Sundays. I'm going to be there consistently on Sundays, not just once every couple months. I'm going to be there on Sundays. Not just when I'm serving. I'm going to be there on Sundays. Maybe for you, it's, I need to get involved in something, a, mid, a midweek group, so that I can have people praying for me and I can pray for one another, pray for others so that we can open up the Bible together and talk about the things that we're going through. Maybe that's the step you need to take. So when you think about fueling your faith, which of these is, the, we all need these things, but which is the one you can start doing quickly and immediately to start getting more fuel? N.T. Wright says, Paul is urging his young friend to rekindle God's gift, to bring it back into a blazing fire. Something is glowing there, deep down inside of Timothy, and he must blow gently on it to bring it back into flame. This is what we're talking about. We need to blow onto those embers through reading the word, through time and prayer, from being in community. Maybe the reason why faith seems bland and you want to quit is because the embers are low. It's time to take responsibility for your faith to grow, to be active, to not live under a covering and excuses, to be, but to be thriving. Blow on the embers of your faith and live faithfully. Keep going. Take responsibility for your faith. And the last thing Paul says is to move forward with confidence in the Lord. Move forward with confidence in the Lord. 
Paul had him look back to get a wider, healthier perspective. Paul tells Timothy that he needs to refuel his faith. And now he makes sure Timothy knows you are not alone. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Remember what I said before, Timothy was probably hitting the proverbial wall in his race. Confrontations and problems with false teachers, the troublemakers in the church, he's probably feeling outnumbered, outmaneuvered, he's probably doubting himself and doubting his purpose. We get into similar, similar situations where we think, who am I? Why am I doing this? But along with those overwhelming feelings, we could also feel alone. Is anybody with me? Does anybody care with what I'm experiencing? And Paul makes sure Timothy remembers that he is not alone, that he is walking with the Spirit of God. And Paul clarifies for him what that spirit is. First off, it is not a spirit of fear. It is not a spirit of fear. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, Rather, the Spirit brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is by definition not fear. This doesn't mean that we won't get into situations in life that cause fear, dread, worry, or the like. We will get into difficult, scary situations. What it means is that we have the Holy Spirit during those moments. And the Holy Spirit doesn't cause those feelings. Our situations can, but he doesn't. While we're in them, he equips us with what we need for difficulties. And what does he bring to us? Power. Not our strength, but his. Not our wisdom, but his. The supernatural working of the Spirit in our lives. He brings us love. The acknowledgement that we are loved, but also the ability to extend love to others and self-control. Because in our weakest of moments, we become careless. It's when we feel like we want to give up that we do some of the stupidest of things. And so the Spirit will help us to be wise, to be faithful, to be the people of God that we know that we are. Thinking of Paul's words to Timothy, we have to think about who are we walking with? Timothy is reminding him that he's on this path with him, but Paul's not going to be there forever. Paul knows he's about to leave. But what Tim, Paul says to Timothy is, you're not alone. The Spirit is walking with you. If we are overwhelmed with fear all the time, we have to ask ourselves, are we walking alone or are we taking the hand of the Holy Spirit as we walk through life? Are we going by ourselves on our own strength? Or are we trusting him? Paul says to Timothy, and we need to hear it as well, don't fear, don't doubt, keep going. You are not alone. And so you have to think through, what are you afraid of? When you think about being the person God's made you to be, when you think about the talents and gifts and passions that he's given you, when you think about being obedient to him, when you think about proclaiming Jesus to others, what are you afraid of? When you think about refueling yourself, being in the Word, praying, being in community, what are you afraid of? Be honest about that. Acknowledge that. But then allow the Spirit to speak truth into you. 
that you have nothing to fear. And so what would your interactions with neighbors or community or the church or just how God has given you, how would things be different if you move forward with confidence in God rather than fear of the situation that you're in? God wants us to not be fearful, but to trust his power, his love, and his wisdom. You can move forward with confidence in the Lord. I don't know what situations you're in the midst of right now. I know what some of yours are, but I don't know what everybody's is. I know that the season is difficult. I know that think about, again, everything from the last year and a half and the challenges that it's brought, but even just life challenges in and of itself. Things can be hard, but it is worth it to keep going. You are made, meant to not just coast through life. You are not meant just to go through the motions. We are meant to live thriving in a relationship with God. And so keep going. This, this is beginning, and the rest of this letter is going to encourage us on what that looks like and how to go about it. But here at the start, we need to trust God's presence. We need to refuel our faith and move confident with him. We're going to close this by receiving communion together. And so if you uh, have the elements, you want to grab those. Uh, if not, can you raise your hand and um, Greg and Ed are back there. We'll have them bring one up. And if you, um, while people at home are grabbing their stuff, if you're in here with us and this is the first time you've used one of these, there's two flaps on the top. Pull the clear one off first to get the wafer out. And then in a moment when we receive communion together, uh, you can take off the other one for the juice. We always take a moment just to be quiet before the Lord together, before we receive communion. Uh, think about what we've heard in Scripture, to feed on that, to allow God to speak to our hearts, to come before Him. Maybe you need to confess something to Him. Maybe you want to just communicate what you're grateful for. You just need to be, have a time with God to process what we've heard. So we take a moment to do that, and then we'll receive communion together. And so let's just sit quietly before the Lord for a moment before we receive communion. So God, I pray you would speak to our hearts in the quiet of this room. As the music plays, God, that we would hear your spirit, your voice. God, help us to be honest and open with you. Just speak to us now.
4 says, The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Communion reminds us of these truths. We can come to God with our weaknesses, that we can come to God with our trials. We can come to him with our sufferings, with the things that's making us want to quit. We can come to him and keep going. Because of Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection from the dead, we have confidence that we are his children. We're reminded of who we are as we live in him. So let's pray first. God, we thank you so much for this. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all that you've done, God. We pray that you would remind us of who we are and what it looks like to live for you. It's in your name we pray. Let's receive communion together. for your body and your blood. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can hold on to these and then we can take them out when service is over, but let's just close with this last song.